2 Timothy chapter 2, first half of the chapter. This is the reading of Timothy 2, 2 1, 13. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Similarly, anyone who completes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown, except by competing according to the rules. The hard-working farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Reflect on what I'm saying, for the Lord will give you an insight into all this. Remember, Jesus raised from the dead. He descended from David. This is my gospel, for which I'm suffering, even to the point of being, un- being changed like a criminal. But God's word is not changed. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that to maybe obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Here is trustworthy saying, if we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will also disown us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. This is the word of the Lord. Well, thank you, Denise, so much uh, for reading. Um, uh, thanks so much for, for coming here this morning. It's a bright morning, and we're in, uh, as Richard said, the uh, second of our por- four-part series uh, in 2 Timothy. I just want to start by saying I absolutely love England. Um, My parents came to this country uh, with absolutely nothing, and uh, this country uh, gave me absolutely everything. Uh, The opportunities in this country were endless. The best education, the best opportunities, and I've got to say, my mum's downstairs in in the creche at the moment, the the Sunday school, um, but I've got to say that I am truly grateful um, for that. But what I'm most grateful for, um, to this country for, is the gospel, the life-saving news of Jesus Christ. Remember last week that wonderful truth in chapter 1, verse 10. Jesus has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light. About 15 years ago or so, someone from the local church shared the gospel with me at university and I've never looked back since. But it's not just me. For centuries, countless people up and down the country have heard this life-saving news and become followers of Jesus. The good news of Jesus Christ has always been for England. And I guess the Church of England as well is brilliantly set up to do that. It's set up to reach every single community every single person with this life-saving news of Jesus Christ. I genuinely believe the gospel is the most important news in the world today. 
And I guess because the gospel is so important, the bishops and the ministers and the Church of England have been given the role to guard the gospel against wayward teaching, to protect these precious trees because they're so important. And for centuries, many of them have done this faithfully. But in December 2023, all of that changed. The House of Bishops sanctions a motion that opposes what Jesus says and what the Bible teaches. And so sadly, they failed to guard the gospel. Right at the beginning of our Bible text, we heard the Apostle Paul say that the first way the gospel would survive is if leaders like Timothy, his right-hand man, take up the gospel, th- this shameful ministry. Verse 2. And the things you have heard me say, say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. But when the reliable people, the leaders who have been entrusted to guard the gospel, fail to guard the gospel, then what are we supposed to do? What would it take to guard the gospel? Well, I guess our situation, the situation in in first century Ephesus from our reading uh, this morning was remarkably similar to our situation here today. As Paul wrote this letter to Timothy, a whole range of his leaders lost their nerve because of shame, of the shame and suffering associated with the gospel. Phygelus and Hermogenes, Demas, maybe Titus and Crescens, the whole of Asia. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, entrust to reliable people who will be qualified to teach others. But what are these reliable people to do then? What would it take for them to guard the gospel? Well, this morning, this is a word for the leadership team here, the PCC, the wardens, the small group leaders, the parents, and for anyone else who wants to use God's word for his glory. You'll see from your handouts this morning that we're going to trace through the passage in two main steps. Firstly, the command in verses 3 to 7, then the reminder in verses 8 to 13. So let's begin with verse 3, the commands. Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. What Paul is saying is pretty straightforward here. Join in suffering. And that's the first point of your handouts here today. If Timothy is going to be useful, if Timothy is going to contribute anything at all to Paul's desire to guard the gospel, well, then he needs to be willing to suffer. And Paul says, join with me in suffering. So it's an invitation to join with Paul. And this takes us back to the first time that we heard a similar command uh, last week, 2 Timothy uh, chapter 1 and verse 8. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join me, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. See, to join in suffering means being unashamed of Paul. Joining with Paul 
becoming like Paul. Even if it takes Timothy to death row, this is what good soldiers of Christ Jesus do. They join with Paul in suffering. It's striking that this attribute comes first, isn't it? It's not an Oxford, Oxford, Oxbridge degree, uh, how sharp you are, or even your character. It's courage and a willingness to suffer. It's gospel guts. What would it take to guard the gospel? Well, Paul says, join with me in suffering. It's going to take courage. But why on earth would you do it? Well, Paul, that's what Paul addresses next as he shares three illustrations that require reflection. Let's read from verse 4. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown, except by competing according to the rules. The hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Reflect on what I'm saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all of this. I'm not sure that when you read these illustrations, actually, on their own, they require much uh, reflection at all. Verse 4 paints a picture of the undistracted soldier who pleases his commanding officer. Verse 5 paints this picture of the rule-keeping athlete who receives the crown. Verse 6 paints this picture of the hard-working farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. When you look at these, they all seem pretty self-explanatory. And that connection to verse 3 as well is not that difficult to spot either. The soldiers, verse 4, the soldier's challenge is giving up civilian life. Verse 5, the athlete's challenge is keeping the rules. Verse 6, the farmer's challenge is hard work. The gospel guardian's challenge is to join in suffering. Again, pretty self-explanatory. So why does Paul think these verses, these illustrations require reflection? Because he does. Verse, verse 7, reflect on what I'm saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all this. There's something about what Paul says, there's something about these three illustrations that's not obvious. But as we reflect on what Paul's saying, I think we're meant to realise that Paul is talking about himself. Paul is a good soldier. Paul is a rule-keeping athlete. Paul is a hard-working farmer. Verse 3, Paul says, join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. It is a command to stand with Paul. But Paul the soldier, however undistracted he's been, doesn't look like he's pleasing anyone. Paul the athlete, however um, well he's kept the rules, doesn't look like he's won the race. Paul the farmer, however hard he's worked, he's, hard, he's worked harder than anyone. Paul doesn't look like he's reaping the harvest at all. Paul is living proof, you might say, that these illustrations are not true. 
He's imprisoned, he's rejected, shameful, abandoned on his last legs. Paul is the very picture of the defeated soldier, the very picture of a beaten athlete, the farmer without a crop. Reflect on what I am saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all of this. Now, Paul's held up these three illustrations of himself to persuade us to join with him in suffering. The problem is, when you look at Paul rotting away in his prison cell, the pictures don't look true at all. And it seems to be a pretty unusual marketing strategy, doesn't it? Why on earth would you join in suffering if you're going to end up looking like Paul? Well, this is why we need verse 8. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel, for which I am suffering, even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not chained. What would it take to guard the gospel? Point two, you need to remember Jesus Christ. You see, this is what Timothy needs to understand if he's to understand Paul. This is the reason to join in suffering. Remember Jesus Christ raised from the dead. Timothy, what you need to remember is Jesus. What you need to remember is the resurrection. And when you do, don't remember it as a theme or a theological concept or even a, a, a kind of theological idea. Remember the resurrection as a fact. Remember the resurrection as a reality. There is a throne in heaven right now, and seated on this throne this morning is a man named Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ, risen and ascended. He is right there now, literally right there now, with all rule and authority. Now, I know I've only been here for um, a few months or so, but I gathered from looking um, at you all here and looking at the congregation that we quite like hip-hop here at St Anne's. And so this is the way that um, the American rapper Shylin put it. Plato is dead, Socrates is dead, Aristotle and Immanuel Kant are dead, Kant are dead, Nietzsche and Darwin are dead. However, Jesus is alive. Buddha is dead. Muhammad is dead. Gandhi and Haile Selassie are dead. Elijah Muhammad is dead. However, Jesus is alive. And he is. Timothy, remember this. Remember Jesus Christ. Remember that he has raised from the dead. He is the reason that I'm here suffering as a criminal, Paul says. He is your commanding officer. I think about him every single day in this prison cell. Remember Jesus Christ. And once you remember Jesus Christ, once you remember that he is really alive, it's a game changer, isn't it? You suddenly realise that Paul is not this kind of impoverished farmer struggling because of a, because a lifetime's labour is undone by failed crops. 
No, he's in fact gathering a bumper harvest. Check out verse 8 again. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel for which I am suffering, even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not chained. Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Paul may be chained, but God's word is not. And so even as Paul suffers, even as he endures, the elect are obtaining eternal salvation. You see, if you forget Jesus and look at Paul, it's natural, we're only going to see failure. Forget Jesus, look at Paul, and you'll do what Demas does in a few chapters time we hear about it and you'll run for your life but remember Jesus raised from the dead and it is completely different as Paul sits seamlessly helpless in prison in his prison cell his work his words are multiplying the harvest This truth changes everything. It changes our lives. And certainly your perspective on the harvest. Remember Jesus Christ. But it also transforms your perspective on the crown. Verse 11. Here is a trustworthy saying. If we died with him, we also live with him. If we endure we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will also disown us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. It's those who die with Christ who get to live. It's those who endure with Christ who get to reign. Those who deny him, well, they may look better off in this world for a moment, floating downstream for an easier ride, but that's no way we're here to get the crown. See, when you forget Jesus, you look at Paul and all you see is death and defeat. Paul, the pathetic prisoner, let down by his Lord. But remember Jesus Christ raised from the dead our forerunner, our commanding officer, our judge, our friend, and everything changes. Paul is roaring down the finishing straight, victory in sight, immortality within his grasp, dying with him, dying with Jesus so that he might live, enduring with him so that he might reign. Forget Jesus, And look at Paul, and you will soon abandon ship. Remember Jesus, raised from the dead, and you'll realise this is one thing you must never forget. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. So here is a two-pronged word for us this morning. A word for those who are weary from suffering for the sake of the gospel. 
and a word for those who would guard the good deposits. Remember Jesus Christ raised from the dead and join in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. I guess it's so encouraging, isn't it, that Paul says this to Timothy, of all people. Now, some people have suggested that Timothy is a particularly um, timid uh, gospel leader. You might call him Timid Tim. He seems to have been naturally shy. Others have suggested that as Paul wrote this letter, Timothy had lost his nerve. But of course, what this does... When you make Timothy into an especially shy and uh, and timid kind of gospel leader, one who's wobbly or one who's lost his way, what this does is it means that to Timothy, as a letter becomes particularly relevant for those who are introverted and those who are starting to lose their nerve. The problem is when you read uh, to Timothy as a letter and all other uh, parts of the New Testament, it seems to be that Paul's, he, Paul, he's, Timothy seems to be Paul's go-to guy for difficult assignments that require gospel guts. And when we read 2 Timothy as a whole, it seems that Philegius and Hermogenes, Demas, and absolutely everybody in the whole of Asia seems to be toppling over. Well, it seems that Timothy is the one man that Paul trusts the future of the gospel with. Now, I don't think Timothy was naturally timid or especially wobbly at that time. So I guess that's really helpful for us this morning, isn't it? Because it means it's a message for us all, to the timid, to the tenacious, to the mild and to the measured. We all need this double reminder. Join in suffering and remember Jesus Christ. It's worth considering also where our gospel guts come from. We can sometimes think that um, courage is a matter of temperament. Some people are just aggressive, extroverted, and up for a fight, whilst others are shy and keen to avoid confrontation at all costs. There are only two types of people, you might say. Now, of course, we all have different temperaments here this morning. Christian leaders have different temperaments. But ultimately, Christian courage is a matter of conviction. It's a matter of faith. If you forget Jesus, if you forget that Jesus is alive, you will lose your nerve in the end, however brave you look. If you remember Jesus, if you remember that he is alive, then you have what you need to find fresh strength. Your two points this morning go hand in hand together, don't they? If you're suffering for the gospel, you need to remember Jesus Christ. And if you remember Jesus Christ, you'll be able to suffer for the sake of the gospel. This is why the the first qualification of the people that Timothy is to train um, to become teachers is that they have faith. That word reliable and faith tops and tails this whole passage. See, people who believe that Jesus lives are brave, even when every bone in their body is scared. If you're tired, tired of holding out the gospel, tired of running the race, tired of resisting temptation, tired of the fight, 
Well, then here is the reminder that you need. It's what we must pray as church uh, leaders. We must pray for our church leaders. We must, for those who preach the word here, Sunday by Sunday. It's what we must be preaching for our Sunday school leaders downstairs and upstairs. And for those who, who we're seeking to train in the years to come. For those who are in the PCC, for those who are leading our small groups, it's what we must pray for ourselves and the whole culture of St. Anne's. Number one, before, the, before our systems and schemes and visions and action plans, that we would have real gospel guts, that we would join in suffering as a good soldiers of Jesus Christ. And number two, that we would be compelled, driven and emboldened by this certainty that Jesus is alive. If you've forgotten, remind yourself now, remember Jesus. Remember who he is. Remember where he is. Remember that you report to him and him alone. Remember that he loves you. And remember that those who endure with him will have the crown in the end. 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3 says this, Join with me in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8, Remember Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, we just uh, praise you so much for this news. We grieve at the fact that we live in a fallen world. We grieve at the fact that um, sometimes we feel frustrated when we um, want to teach the Bible or share the gospel with um, others. But Father, thank you so much that we have had this encouragement to join in Paul, um, join with Paul in suffering and to remember Jesus Christ raised from the dead. Father, we pray that that would be ringing in our hearts uh, for today, for the week, and for the rest of our lives. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.